Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Billy Hackinson. Billy is the director of people at Gong, and we talk about treating your employees like insiders, the blank canvas of reimagining workplace communications, and the responsibility that businesses have to vary their content formats to best meet the learning needs of their employees. In today's episode, you'll hear Billy talk about content as a guidepost for employee communications, how it's critical to understand that some people are visual learners and other people are auditory learners. There's a formula that I've adopted with business partners and it's proven to be exceptionally helpful. Message plus content times distribution channel. Let's take audio for a moment. Maybe your company does internal podcasts or you're thinking about creating company-related audio. For an international organization like Gong, this can be a really effective way to communicate across time zones as it allows for asynchronous engagement. So you might decide that audio is a great format for an upcoming DEI initiative or maybe sales wants to interview a rep on how she closed a big deal. This is the message meeting the format. But where brands that are creating audio get tripped up is on the distribution. How can I securely and seamlessly distribute the audio content and how can I understand the engagement? Sharing audio content as an MP3 isn't secure and you don't receive listener insights on an MP3. For the same reason that you wouldn't publish internal training videos to YouTube, adopting a third-party podcasting app for company audio content doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Distribution is the force multiplier. Companies have invested tons of resources in developing their channels of communication and knowledge centers. Are you a Slack culture, a SharePoint culture? Venly is an audio workflow for enterprise. Seamlessly distribute audio content in custom audio players to your existing channels of communication. Venly allows you to whitelist domains so that you can share that content to Slack or SharePoint, and it can only be listened to on your preferred channel. Oh yeah, and get listener insights on all pieces of published content. Interested in understanding how audio might play a role in your people engagement strategies? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the great Billy Hackinson. Hi, Billy. Hi, Brian. How are you? Billy Hackinson currently serves as Director of People Programs at Gong, the revenue intelligence platform leader. In this role, he serves both as chief of staff to the chief people officer and also leads cross-functional initiatives such as Gong's return to office strategy and its global employer branding efforts. With a background in marketing from prior roles at Twilio, SendGrid, and Box, Billy brings a customer-first operational lens to Gong's 500-plus people. Billy started his career as a consultant for Deloitte and Lippincott, focusing on organizational branding and engagement. Billy earned his bachelor's degree from Davidson College in North Carolina and now calls San Francisco home. Billy, thank you again for being with me. Yeah, thanks for the kind introduction, Brian. Appreciate it. So before Gong, you're at Box and Twilio. Uh, we just read that. Two very exciting and very successful companies that generated a lot of interest from candidates, partners, and eventually the public markets. I'm curious, what were some of the lessons that you learned at these stops on how to best apply the energy surrounding the company to how you communicate and help manage internally? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, um, you know, as I think back on on my time at both those companies, a couple things continue to, to stand out. And, you know, I think for both Box and both Twilio, they're both founder led. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that means for other companies, right, you know, being founder led is is a mission critical piece. But I think when I think of Aaron at Box, when I think at Jeff at Twilio, right, you know, they took a really invested interest, if you vested interest, if you will, in making sure communications, employee engagement was top of mind, right? And so I think it's 
it's saying that the leader, right, and the leadership team, right, I think needs to to really keep that at a forefront. Of course, we're trying to hit business objectives and, and metrics, um, you know, financially for the business. But I think recognizing that that the employee engagement and and how we communicate with our employees is is just as important, right, as as, as those metrics. So I think you know how Aaron and, and and Jeff thought about that was really building, I think, solid values, operating principles that were how we worked, right? These weren't just, you know, words on the wall, but, you know, when it said, bring your blank self to work, you know, that really meant show up as your true self every single day, right? And bring every facet of who you are that you feel comfortable sharing with at the office, you will be welcomed and celebrated for who you are. You know, at Tulio is all about builders, right? Every day is day one and bringing this sense of there's an opportunity every day to, to do to do new work. And, you know, now at Gong, right, one of my favorite operating principles is challenge conventional wisdom, which just invites us to think about, particularly as we come out of COVID, different ways to think about the employee experience and, and having that permission to do so in a way that's not just, you know, following, you know, the leaders in our space. So I think it is this real emphasis on the values and, and the operating principles that really guide how we work. Um, and then finally, I'll say, particularly at Box and Tulio, I think two things we did really well that that then laddered into the employee experience was really clear goal setting. And this was both tops down and bottoms up. But I think when the leadership team was very thoughtful about their OKRs or their their priorities and measures, right, that as a leadership team setting that bar then gives everybody else the ability to ladder into to that goal. Everybody has a place, right, in the company and can can talk, I think, very confidently about, hey, I know that my contribution in this space in marketing ladders into you know, my CMO's goals, which of course ladders into the company's goals. And I think just having that clear line of thought really empowers employees across, you know, across the globe and across different, different levels of the organization to really feel like they're part of something bigger, right? And, and, and as a company, we can uh, double down on some of these um, goals, initiatives, highlight our employees. It's, it's a really great way, I think, to keep that, that consistent thread of, of information. And certainly, I think the, the metrics that are most important to, to us, top of mind for, for everybody, not just the executives. Box and Twilio are both publicly traded companies. Gong is still private and on a trajectory that might suggest an IPO one day. What communications and people strategies can be put in place today that might help your colleagues should they go through the process of going public? I think one of the most paramount ones, and, and I'll back up, you know, I joined Box and Twilio after they went public. And I think there was something that stuck with me in terms of employee communications and, and certainly our leaders was that every day is day one. And I think that's really important as you think about an event such as an IPO, right? I think there's this, there's this buildup, there's this energy, right? Um, but IPO is not the finish line, right? It's it's in some ways just the beginning, and so I think it's this this mentality. And I loved, you know, Jeff Lawson at Twilio called this day one, right? Every day is day one, and I think it's just it's pausing, of course, to honor and celebrate the hard work that came through the funding rounds, and that you know today is a day to mark that we are on the public markets. And, and this is a momentous occasion for any company, but it's just any other day, right? And tomorrow we're going to wake up and we're going to put our pants on the same way we did yesterday and get to work, right? And I think it's it's recognizing both, right, the, the great work that's got the company there. And then I think as you hit that moment, then thinking about what are the things that 
honestly do need to change in terms of how the company might operate and just being intellectually honest about what those are, right? And I think it's it's two things from there. It's particularly from the lens of, of, of a people team, it's meeting the employees where they are. And, and what I mean by that is, is not being afraid to curate the experiences or the programming that comes out of our team for different stages of someone's career, right? So we might be dealing with with folks who have gone through an IPO event before and have come from larger companies because they're a more seasoned sales rep, right? The training they might need is could look very different than an SDR, right? Going through this for the first time, you know, in their career, this might be their first or second company. I think it's just recognizing that, yes, there's the top line message of, of how we operate in this moment, but then not being afraid to tailor that messaging or, or kind of what we might be offering to, to those different segments of a population. And then finally, I think it's treating your employees like an insider. I think that's the big thing of, of when you hit an IPO, of course, there's you know the regulations and the reporting requirements a, a company has on the market. And I think it's really critical to then treat your employees as insiders, right? And as you hold quarterly earnings reports and 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 release you know investor reports that you're you're bringing employees along on that journey explaining what these mean and and explaining the analysis behind the numbers right i mean i think it's really easy to to see top line revenue and how does the stock market react but i think it's it's really the job of the leadership team if you're going to bring the entire employee population into that fold to to just explain what that all means, right? And, and have these, these very open conversations with your employees, very similar to what you might in an executive team, maybe not to the same depth, but just really unpacking some of that. Um, and I think it, 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 it kind of dovetails with my prior point of, you know, that with a good goal setting and, and measure, you know, system in place, those conversations become very easy to have together, right? Because a lot of the metrics you would have, presumably, right, in a, in a goal setting activity, you know, would ladder up to what are the the top metrics for the street um, that that they might really care about as well. You might put on your pants the same way before and after an IPO, but the pants might be nicer after the IPO. More right. expensive pants. Yeah, well, let, let's, yep. yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, how's Maui real estate these days? I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's stay on this topic of insiders. Yeah. So frequently, you're right. When a company IPOs, many of the employees are shareholders in the company as well. And the CEO, the C-suite might say, well, I, I don't watch our stock ticker every day. That's not how we manage the business. But your employees might be watching the stock ticker every day. What is the balance here between, from an executive communications perspective, treating your employees like insiders, having them you know, understand that every day is day one and there's implications there, and yet taking a long-term goal and, and vantage point uh, of the business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's, there's a couple things here that, that come to mind for me, or at least I hold true in my experience. You know, I think it's, it's first leadership and, and people in, in my organization, recognizing that for everybody executives to, to, you know, our folks who just joined is the work can be a lot of, you know, the work can be part of someone's identity, right? When you spend a third to a half, right? Depending on your company and time, you know, with a company, you know, that your work, you know, really becomes part of who you are, right? And how you show up and the feedback you're receiving and your growth in, in, in the company, or certainly, you know, later in your career, right? This is, these are momentous opportunities, right? And I think it's, it's just, it's important to recognize that for a lot of people, you know, they give their all 
um, to their work, just like they do other facets of their life, right? So it's not just, you know, something you show up to and, and you know, spend a couple hours and go home, right? I think it's, it's just really knowing that this is a sense of community for people. It's a sense of connection for people. Yes, we're doing great work, but, you know, that, that underlies, I think, a lot of why people care, you know, once they're, they're stockholders, right? And, and it's liquid cash, right, at that point. But I think, you know, what I tell my leaders, right, and I think it's, it's having this, this honest conversation of, you know, just asking the leaders to remember their privilege, right? You know, they're speaking from an opportunity where they're so close to these numbers. They're so close, right, to the, certainly in the funding rounds, right, the, these conversations that are happening with investors, you know, as we're getting ready to go public, you know, speaking with, you know, large institutions, right? There's, there's so much there that I think they spend their time doing that it's important to almost lift up and say, right, you know, you're making these decisions. And as a company, we unequivocally support you in that. But using then that privilege as leverage to then explain what's going on. And I think that's back to my prior point here, right? Of just use that experience to really walk employees through, right? What's happening, right? And I understand you may not feel comfortable as a company sharing all, right, the, the conversations that might happen at the executive level. But I think as a team, right, make a, make a call on, hey, we're willing to share why revenue we think hit here. What's, you know, what did churn look like? What did customer acquisition cost, right? Like, you know, I think understand what, what metrics and data you feel most comfortable sharing with, with your employees and then not being you know, afraid to, to really unpack those. Because I think for a lot of people, you know, when you think of a total rewards package, you know, it's easy to see your compensation in terms of salary. It's easy to understand what a bonus plan or a um, uh, you know, sales comp plan might look like, but it's this, this stock I think feels sometimes a little bit more nebulous and it's how the market reacts, right? It's, it's not as much what you can control as an employee. And so I think it's, it's just having that that mindset of, you know, for a lot of people, that's a core part of their, they consider it a core part of their compensation. And so we have to explain it a little bit differently than, yes, you did great work in your performance review this year, you know, gives you hundred percent of your bonus. It's, it's just, I think, recognizing that, you know, it's real money, but it, it, it feels a little bit different than, you know, your, your base um, compensation can feel. Yeah, a hard lesson that I've learned along the way with respect to this is that the denominator matters much more than the numerator. So yes, when you think yes. about how many shares you own, it's less that and more how many shares outstanding are there. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Hard, a hard lesson. I was, I was not as rich as I thought I might be one day. Um, <laughs> all right. So growth stage companies, tech companies in particular, are famous for their fun work environments. But with work from home, you know, the quote unquote campus feel doesn't exist anymore, or, or certainly not in the same way that it did a, a little over a year ago. Are you trying to recreate that spirit and culture virtually? Or is there an acceptance that things are different and we need to reimagine what employees can expect when they work virtually at a growth stage technology company? Yeah. I mean, yes, both, all of the above, right? I mean, it's it's a really interesting time. And I think, you know, certainly as we're thinking of how return to workplace strategies come in the era of COVID, no one, right? I think really saw this coming. And, you know, there's something actually reassuring about all of us being at the same place, right? I mean, yes, you can argue some of these larger tech companies had real estate. So their perspective on how to go back to an office might look different than a company like Gong's where, you know, we currently, you know, didn't have our own 
office space, right? You know, we we were using WeWork, some, you know, subleasing in San Francisco until the pandemic. And so there's this blank piece of paper, right? And I think this is the thing that's really exciting is for, you know, hopefully knock on wood, right? A once in a lifetime opportunity to really reimagine how we work in 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 the future, right? And so I think, you know, I'll back up. So with Gong, you know, being here a few months, what I've seen true and I think really felt about the culture being fully remote, right? I've met only one person in person for a walk and talk. Everything else has been on Zoom or phone calls. Is this is a company that puts our people first? You know, we really will back into surveys, employee focus groups as we think about how we go back to to work. You know, of course, you know the the, the guidance from the CDC and and local jurisdictions, of course, are important there. But you know, really using our gongsters' comfort level to drive this conversation. Those operating principles we have really ring true. They are nomenclature in our conversations. So no sugar is one. So this is around feedback that you know, might not be um, easy to hear, but it's really important to get the full picture. And we're, we're hearing a lot of that, right, in, in this return to work era, workplace era. And, you know, I think it's, it's also a community that, where people welcome each other. And so I think for me, that's been really helpful to just understand how I've set up some of these conversations is tell me what worked in the office, right? You, you've been here three years, two of which you were in an office. What was that magic, for lack of another term, that five days a week got you excited to to take a however long commute in the day area and you know be at the office all day and you know, i think the beauty is we're pretty confident that five days a week is is no longer going to happen but thinking about these moments along the way of i think being grounded in reality that yes we will have people distributed across the country and the world right we have a huge uh presence in israel and did before um did before COVID. And I think recognizing that the investments we might need to make are different, right? We probably need to invest much more in our IT technology so that if there's three people in a conference room in San Francisco and two people in a conference room in Israel, you know, if someone's in DC, right, they're able to join in on that call and, you know, be able to see the whiteboard and participate in the dialogue in a really meaningful way. And I think I've been lucky with Box and Twilio to see, right, these companies grow and know that you can run these teams, you know, globally and distributed. Yep, things have to change how you schedule and how you think about uh, the meetings, what's a strategic meeting versus a tactical meeting. But I think we're in a position where, you know, it really calls on human resources and the people team to be both strategic and dynamic. We have to be thoughtful about what's what's coming, but willing to be agile, right? And I think that's the other thing I'm learning here is as we're putting return to workplace back, we're going to make mistakes, right? And so I think it's just being honest when we do and being really quick to, to change direction or take that feedback and, and reassess. Um, you know, but I think there's going to be, we're just going to have to think programmatically when we think about benefits and we think about things like swag, right? To make sure that someone who might be in an office two, three days a week, right? Versus someone who's now going to be at home five days a week still feels that equity, right? I think in, in their experience. And, and, and I'd love to tell you, I have the secret sauce to that yet. I think we're still trying to figure it out, but you know, we're at this stage too, where there's a wide range of what people feel comfortable doing, right? I, I have employees who are not in great work from home situations. And so want to be back in an office five days a week, but I also have employees who, 
are really uncomfortable to get on public transit or really uncomfortable to share common utensils in a kitchen, right? And want to come in maybe one day a week for something social. So it's, we're really trying to balance, I think, this um, all very valid concerns and, and feelings, you know, as we still kind of come out of this, this pandemic. And so I think, again, it's, it's, this is a really interesting question. I could talk about it all day. And I think about it most, <laughs> most parts of my day, because there's so much possibility, right? One question then opens three more. And so I think it's just, um, you know, what I'd really think about here is, and I think it goes back to that topic we were talking about earlier, you have to celebrate what worked before, right? And I think find ways to continue to do that in a virtual world or, right, be willing to start to make the investments across technology or know that we might need to make travel and entertainment expenses in the future because it's important for us to fly everybody to a central location once a quarter, right? I think these are the decisions where, you know, across HR, across events, across maybe marketing even, right, we're going to have to collaborate differently to make sure, you know, that that, that employee experience is, is as holistic as possible and it's no longer just, you know, HQ employees, you know, have different experiences than everybody else. I think we're going to be really creative of thinking what might a benefits package look like for someone who's in an office more regularly than someone who's at home, right? How does commuter benefits change? How does, uh, you know, childcare or elder care change, right? How does mental health benefits change, right? I think these are all the questions that we're, we're really just starting to scratch the surface on in, in coming out of this, this pandemic. So as a friend, when I hear you talk about this, my initial reaction is like, how is Billy going to do all this by himself? <laughs> uh, you, it, it, I'm over-exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a small but growing team. And so the question is like, how do you scale yourself, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So does creating content play a role in how you might communicate internally? If so, what types of content formats would you consider to be a priority? How do you physically distribute it? I mean, I think everyone uses email, but some companies are a Slack culture or a SharePoint culture. You might have a gong culture. Yeah. Uh, what does that look like practically for you as you think about all the questions that need to get sorted and the reality that you don't have 50 people working for you? You have to do a lot yeah. of this heavy lifting yourself. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I view content as a guidepost. It is a guidance Right. And I think, you know, the role I play in there, or certainly, right, my, my boss plays there is setting some of the tone. And I think maybe some of the key messages we want to get across. But something I learned in my time at Box is you actually need to empower, right, the managers and the team leads and, you know, other executives, right, to also then be carriers of that message. Right. And so I think, you know, what I'm pressure testing right now is kind of what's the right, um, mix of that. So, you know, where do executives need to feel a little bit more consulted versus informed, right? So I think it's having a really clear decision-making framework or, you know, at least a, a guide there. But then, you know, something I learned at Box and, and working for the marketing team was we had these messages to cascade, right? So the CMO would come into her staff meeting with her direct reports and say, you know, here's what we talked about at, you know, the executive meeting, right? With the other C-suite folks. Here's what, you know, I know is true about you know, something on the HR calendar coming forward, please communicate this to your team, right? So then I would kind of type up the, you know, make sure we touch on these messages, but then empower those managers to have those conversations with, with their teams, right? So I think what it does is for a team who might, it's a little hard to say this now, but a team that was in person, you know, okay, maybe it's a team lunch where this is delivered, but a team that was distributed, we do email and Slack, right? So I think it's, you know, it, it really gave the manager that, 
drive. And I think, you know, they that felt empowered to deliver these messages, not just, you know, the, the C-suite person blank emailing, you know, the entire team. So look, I think now what we have to be really cognizant of is keeping that tone consistent. And I think with Gong, it's, uh, I got feedback today, actually, in the last hour of, you know, cheer up the messaging, right? You know, we're, we're coming out of COVID, right? It's, let's, Yep, there's there's federal guidance, but let's cheer up that message that we're close and you know we're excited to to allow folks to start to gather socially. But as I think about that, I think there is a yep, there's virtual all hands meetings in an email, but you know, I'm starting to think through, yeah, there probably is some sort of audio component. There probably might be some sort of video recorded element too, right? A message from our CEO who is based in Israel, who you know may not have the time, right? Um to, to kind of speak individually, right, to folks in the U.S., but is that an opportunity or a vehicle we can explore or something our chief people officer could, could explore as well, right? I, th- I think it's the beauty of right now is we're, again, we're starting from a clean slate. So I think the, the communication vehicles we held true before might still be there, right? You know, the, the emails and the slacks, I'd say that's, that's definitely the two strongest here at Gong. But, you know, there is this invitation now to think about, updating an internet or a wiki page, right? Thinking about where are these sources, you know, of information that are accurate and up to date. And I think a lot of that, especially in this, where the rules change so fast, video and audio are actually really timely ways to get that information, not written where we're all going back and thinking about the word choice, which is an important effort, but it slows you down, right? Whereas Sandy, our chief people officer, might be able to very quickly spin up a video, right? Maybe record it a couple times to make sure it's the right messaging and hit send, right? And then employees can watch that on their own time. Um, I think that's the other thing too, is just knowing that COVID has, has showed us that, you know, people absorb information in different ways. And I think, you know, when you build an inclusive community and an inclusive company, you have to just recognize that, that some people might, the information may sit better, you know, in a audiovisual forum versus a, a written forum or might need both, right? Or then another meeting, right? I think it's just, it's being open to um, these methods of communication that, you know, historically, you know, at companies just may not have been the go-to. Um, but as we think about this distributed workforce, a hybrid workforce, people working on their own, you know, time a little bit more because they might have you know, family obligations throughout the day, it allows them to still be in the driver's seat, you know, as the employee and and consume the information, you know, in a way that's best, you know, suited to them in a time that that also works for them too. Um, So it's it's been really fun. We're we're exploring all that, you know, as we speak. So it's a great question. You know, again, it's, I'd love to check back in in six months, right, and see how it works, because I think there's so much here we're going to learn really fast. with, with our team. And I'm sure other companies are feeling this, this as well, just as I talk with some colleagues, right. Who are all trying to solve the same question. So Billy, you're now friend of the pod. You're coming back in six months to give us an update on this. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Billy Hackinson. Thank you so much for your time today is uh, it was an awesome conversation. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the time. Billy, thanks again for your time and your wisdom today. If you like this conversation, you're going to love the next episode with Christine Woodhouse. Christine is the Director of Internal Communications at Cox Communications. Thanks for listening. And until next time with Christine Woodhouse.